Well, you know, we live in a time uh, when many are struggling with unemployment. But here's an odd question. Have you ever received a job you didn't ask or apply for? Has that ever happened to you? Now, I don't know about you, but in our neighborhood, it can happen when you least expect it. You get a knock at the door. You peek. It's not a solicitor. It's a neighbor. Our neighbors come by. You open the door only to learn they're leaving for two weeks, and would you please take care of their yard and their pets? Now, you don't necessarily want to say yes, but there's a bit of a mutual benefit in this because there will come a day when you want to knock on their door, right? And so, you know, you get, you get interesting jobs, right? You get to water uh, the lawn and the flowers. You get to walk the dog and, well, walk the dog, and then you, uh, then you get to feed the cat and, well, feed the cat. And not all the jobs are the most pleasant. But here's the thing. I always want to do a really good job because when I go on vacation and someone takes over at my place and I have a wife who loves her flowers, boy are we hoping that that nine-year-old or one of his or her parents will really take taking good care of our place to heart. Well, here's something interesting. I don't know how you answered that first question, but the answer is yes. We have all received a job we didn't apply for. We are all stewards of God. Like it or not, it's just a reality. We are all stewards of God. Mark Allen Powell writes in his book, Giving to God, We live in this world as stewards of God, entrusted with caring for all that God so generously allows us to use. Now, this reflects a very simple reality. Everything we are, everything we have, places it in our hands, it still belongs to God. We're simply stewards of what God has given. Now, this is a faith reflected in an offering prayer used by liturgical churches around the world, one which may be familiar to you. Merciful Father, we offer with joy and thanksgiving what? What you have first offered us, ourselves, our time, and our possessions, signs of your gracious love. Now, it's one thing to think about it. It's one thing to believe it. It's another to put it into practice and to let that faith have a practical impact in our daily lives. And that's just what giving to God and living for God is, an expression of our faith. Again, as Mark Allen Powell writes, stewardship is an expression of faith that moves from creed to practice, from merely claiming to believe something to living out that belief in real and obvious ways. Now, living as stewards of God, of of all God has given us, puts our faith into practice. And it is, first of all, an expression of our faith in God, our Creator. And that has some ramifications. First, everything belongs to God, including you and me. It's all God's. Right? Psalm 24, verse 1, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it and all who live in it. Psalm 100, verse 3, Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us. We are 
his. Even we belong to God. Donald Heinz uh, has penned beautifully. Every day we stand in the shade of trees we did not plant. We live in houses we did not build. We eat food we did not produce. We ponder ideas that are not original to us. And so too we live in a body and with a mind and a spirit that we did not choose or create. And with that in mind, it may be important to bring up a second point. God has also created everything good. It's all good. And that includes, as my uh, farm girl mom taught me, that even includes chicken livers and gizzards. It's all good. And that includes you and me. It's all good. And not only is everything good, in all of creation, we've been given a very good and unique role. It's all ours to care for. We've been given the job. It's all ours to care for. Listen to Genesis chapter 1, beginning with verse 26, from the message. The beautiful rendering by Eugene Peterson. God spoke, Let us make human beings in our image. Make them reflecting our nature so they can be responsible for the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, the cattle, and yes, earth itself, and every animal that moves on the face of the earth. God created human beings. He created them godlike, reflecting God's nature. God created them male and female. God blessed them, prosper, reproduce, fill the earth, be responsible for fish in the sea and birds in the air, for every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. And God looked over everything God had made, and it was good. So very, very good. It was so good. It is so good. But as we know, the Bible story tells us sin broke in to these human hearts of ours. And in our fallenness, humanity has, well, let's just be honest, not done such a great job of stewarding, of caring for this good earth, for its wildlife, right? Even for one another, though God has provided all we need. A couple weeks ago, uh, Lisa and I had an opportunity uh, to travel up to Anchorage. She goes up a couple times a year with a team from Shriners Hospital for Children to serve children with special needs in that region. It was my first opportunity to go in uh, over a decade of these mission trips uh, from Shriners. And uh, I'm not kidding. The scenery is jaw-dropping. It's just jaw-dropping, amazing, stunning mountain vistas all around. And of course, we know that uh, not too long ago, an oil spill, you know, created a generation, a generation of, 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 of damage and injury uh, to God's wondrous creation up along the coastline of Alaska. And it is gonna take a generation to help repair that damage and that injury. And now we face yet another uh, off the Gulf Coast. It's just heartbreaking. Um, But there are signs uh, that that humankind is taking notice and taking action. We had a chance to visit a a nature reserve and to see species of of animal uh, like uh, the musk ox and, and the bison that were literally 
taken to the brink of extinction to tens and twenties from hundreds of thousands and millions. And now they are making a return because human beings have said we need to be better stewards. And there's a there's a there's one of our uh, one of the bison we saw. And 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 this is what I just need to point out. He's not going to be able to help us. He's just doing his bison thing. If this world is going to be stewarded well, it's going to be up to us. And this is the gift and the hope and the promise. We get to do it. We get to do it. It's our turn. It's our time. And look what God has given us. Look at the time and the resources God has placed at our disposal. Look at the ingenuity and the imagination God has made possible for us to steward well this good and beautiful earth and its resources for the sake of all living things, for the sake of all children of this earth. And that is why we embrace those, those marvelous biblical practices of living within our means, right? Of choosing to budget and plan so that there is always sufficient funds left over for the care of others, right? To build schools and hospitals, roads and colleges and universities. And as God's people, we also share that very unique and rare and high privilege of releasing resources to build churches and to resource missions and ministries that reflect the love and generosity of God here and around the world. So first, giving to God is an expression of our faith in God, our Creator. And secondly, giving to God is an expression of God, of faith in God, our Redeemer. God has redeemed us. In other words, God has saved us and set us free. God is not only the giver of life and all its blessings, God has broken into this world to set us free from things that can enslave us. We see it so powerfully in the story of the Exodus when God, uh, through the great prophet Moses and wondrous mighty deeds, right, set free his people from literal slavery in the land of Egypt. He set them free. And here's the, 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 the rub. They didn't quite know what to do with their freedom. And they very easily began to lose sight of God, not only the one who gave them life, but the God who had set them free. And so as they stood on, on the edge of the River Jordan and looked into the Promised Land, God gave them a word, a very critical word from Deuteronomy chapter 8. Moses said, God is about to bring you into a good land. Make sure that when you eat and are satisfied, build pleasant houses and settle in. See your herds and flocks flourish and more and more money come in. Watch your standard of living go up and up. Make sure you don't become so full of yourself and your things that you forget God, your God, the God who delivered you from slavery. If you start thinking to yourselves, I did all this, and all by myself, I'm rich, it's all mine. Well, think again. Remember that God, your God, 
gave you the strength to produce all this wealth so as to confirm God's covenant that God promised to you and to those before you, even to this day. We must be ever mindful that we have been saved and set free from the things that would bind us. For God's ancient people, it was literal literal slavery in the land of Egypt. But through Christ, through his redeeming death on the cross, his new life-giving resurrection, we have been set free from the powers of the sin that would lead us to lives of self-centeredness and fearfulness and anxiousness and worry. Things that would bind us and keep us from living open and trusting and free and generous and joyful for God and for those God loves in this world. Why did Jesus give us his life if not to break us and free and set us free? And it's all a gift of grace. And talk about people who have enjoyed life in a good land. I think we qualify. I think we do. God has blessed us so abundantly, so immeasurably. And in difficult times especially, we can lose sight of just how abundantly blessed we truly are. Not only that we are abundantly blessed, but that we have been saved and set free for a purpose. We are both saved and set free and called and sent out. It is not simply the resources of this world we have to share. It is the gifts of God's love and grace, God's forgiveness and compassion that is ours, right? To make available to others. It gets very practical. It happens in our everyday, ordinary lives as we reach out and befriend others, as we release our time and our resources for the sake of God's work in this world. God has imbued our lives with purpose. Literally, in 2 Corinthians, it says, we are ambassadors for Christ. God is making his appeal to this world, to the people of this world, through us. Is there something holding you back? A pastor friend um, once had an opportunity um, uh, to go up in an airplane uh, uh, with a friend of his who had become a, a pilot. And he got to the airport and uh, they walked out to the plane and they, you know, the, his friends started doing all the checks. And he had this amazing manual and he was just checking right and left all around the plane. And then they climbed into the plane and man, the checklist just kept going. He was flipping switches. And, and, and the pastor looked out and he, and he noticed that the plane was actually tethered to the runway. There were ropes holding the plane down. And uh, part of the flight check is that you actually run the engine up, right, and then pull it back. And that's kind of the final check. And the pastor's kind of thinking, well, shouldn't we, like, untie the ropes? And the guy calls in for clearance from the, from the tower, and, and he gets clearance, and he decides to take a look just to make sure there are no other planes coming. And he goes, oh, my goodness, I can't believe it. We're still tied to the ground. I better get out and untie those ropes. And pastor friend is thinking, I think I just need to get out. <laughs> if we're going to experience the life of joy and generosity God desires, 
we're going to need to untie some ropes. You know, what has us bound to the ground? Have we lost sight of God? Have we just got caught up in our own concerns and worries, our own hopes and dreams, our own doubts and fears? Are we are we tethered down by you know an overcommitment to to our jobs? Have we be are we tied down by by some um, uh, brokenness in our life, some you know hurtful habit or brokenness in a relationship? What has bound us to the ground? Jesus has come. To release us, to set us free. And he comes with power to do it. So that nothing can stop us from not only being called, but from going out into this world. To have a lasting impact in his name. And that brings us to our third point. Giving to God is not only an expression of faith in God, our creator and our redeemer. It's an expression of faith in God our sustainer. God is not only on our side, God is on the inside. Given the Spirit of God, the very living presence and power of God, who lives and works in us and through us. Jesus promised in John chapter 14, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and he will be with you forever. Think of it. The living power and presence of God lives within us. Our bodies are literally living temples of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the one who can break us free from things like fear and anxiousness and worry as we allow the Spirit to work in our lives, right? And break us into the fruits of the Spirit, which are love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and generosity and patience, faithfulness. We have a resource from God to break us free. Not only have we been given the Spirit, the Spirit has come to work in our lives so that we can experience abundant life. You know, we live in a world where we're constantly being told not enough. Right? Not enough. Not enough resources, not enough time, not enough you, not enough skills, uh, not enough, not enough love. God comes through the Holy Spirit to say, more than enough. I am more than enough. In fact, the Apostle Paul, when he experienced the greatest uh, you know, isolation uh, in his life um, would write these words in Philippians chapter 4. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation whether well fed or hungry whether living in plenty or in want I can do all things through him who gives me strength. So how do we live out that faith? We live it out, not alone, but together. Because the Spirit has made of us the body of Christ. We are here, gifted 
for abundant life, gifted to link hearts and lives for the sake of God's kingdom. Chris put it this way a couple weeks ago. Together is better. Let's say it. Together is better. And that's not only together one another, but together with God through the power of God's Spirit at work in our lives. And when the Spirit leads, our giving is set free. We give of our time, not out of a sense of duty, but out of a sense of opportunity. Right? We give of our resources, not out of a sense of obligation, but out of a sense of delight that God has made it possible. And we do it together because we know we can accomplish far more together than we ever could accomplish alone. And here's the joy of it. Joy and generosity multiply one another. Listen to these words from Milo Kaufman. Joyful people will be generous people. And generous people will be joyful people. It's difficult to say which is cause and which is effect, for either appears to produce the other. And you know, wherever I have gone in the world, from mountainsides of Oaxaca, among the poorest of the poor, to, to, to mountainsides of Ethiopia, where they literally live from day to day with what they earn that day, I have seen incredibly joyful and generous people. Why? Because they are living out of faith. Faith in their Creator, faith in their Redeemer, faith in the sustaining Spirit of God. It can be true for us. Let me just close uh, with a a simple story. Uh, There was once a boy whose passion um, was sailing and, and the water. And he spent months and months crafting a beautiful handmade sailboat. I mean, he, he carved it, he crafted it, he painted it, and he detailed it. It was beautiful, and he loved his boat. And he couldn't wait for his boat to take its maiden voyage, right? And he went out, and he set the boat in the water, right? And he held a string. And as the boat moved out, a gust of wind came up, and the string slipped from his hand, and the boat went too far for him to claim it out of sight. It was lost. One day he was walking down the street of his small town, and there in a second-hand store, he saw wonderfully mounted with a little sign, his boat for sale. He went into the shop owner and explained what happened. And the shop owner said, well, I'm sorry, someone came in and I purchased the boat from them. So you're going to have to buy the boat from me. And the little boy was crushed. He said, what can I do? What can I do? And he went home and he looked at the resources at his disposal and he thought, still not enough. And so he spent days and weeks and months, right, uh, of his time, of his labor, uh, until he had just enough to purchase that boat. And you can't imagine the joy in his heart the day he walked into that store, placed the full amount on the table, and was handed the boat by the man in the shop. And as he left the store, he hugged his boat to his chest and he said, Oh my goodness, you're mine. You're mine again. You're twice mine. Once I made you, and once I bought you, you're mine. Let's pray. Loving God, 
You are the one who created us. You gave us life and all the blessings in life we enjoy. But sin and brokenness can often lead us astray, lead us away from you, from your heart, from your desire for us to be free and to live in the joy of your grace. But through Jesus Christ, your son, you have come to us. And with his precious life and blood shed on the cross, you have purchased us, paid in full for all our brokenness and sins so that we could be wholly and completely yours. Loving God, help us today. Help us today by the power of your spirit. Untie the ropes that bind us from living in your grace from being free to live joyfully and generously in Jesus' name. Amen.